Okay, this is so weird. This this is where our age difference comes into play. You say back when I was a child when the Harry Potter series came out. Um, <laughs> so oh, yeah, going, I, let's see, the Harry Potter series came to film when I was about twenty one. <laughs> the first movie. So <laughs> it's I, just weird. I would have been nine years old when the first film came out. This is Movie Bite, episode 71. Movie Bite is a show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, trailers, TV shows, and more. We're recording on Saturday, December 7th, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I'm joined not not by a book thief, per se, but perhaps more of a bookworm, Chad Hopkins. Hello. How are you, Chad? I'm doing all right. Excellent. How about you? Oh, I have been... Uh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I have been working nonstop since yesterday, since I got off of work, yesterday being Friday. Uh, and and uh, actually, funny story, it's 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 very icy here. And oh, yeah, uh, we saw here. we saw that the ice was coming in, uh, you know, early yesterday. But I had to be in the office in Franklin for a meeting and uh, with a, with a client and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, uh, but but I left around noon before it got too icy and continued my work from home. And then when I okay, so the point was when I got done working on my work my job my jobby job, um, I went <laughs> to work on uh, Movie Bite redesign things, and I worked until two in the morning. Wow! Last night, and I got up this morning at seven. So if I'm a little loopy, uh, it's because. And, and I got up and I went straight back to work on the movie bite redesign. I really want to get it rolled out. I'm really excited about it, but I'm also really tired now. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And as soon as we get done recording, I'm probably going to go back. To, even though I have a lot of writing I want to do for the site, and I wanted to record a bite sized podcast, it's like it's one of those things where it's like the only thing you can think about is I want that. I want that design rolled out now. Right. And so, but it's not finished. I can't roll it out yet. So there's still big chunks missing. If you click on the about movie bite page or the profiles or anything, it's it's just not there. It's just not done yet. So you get a 404. So anyway, it's, uh, it's exciting. I'm happy uh, about the design. I think it's a much cleaner design and it's completely responsive. Um, and I'm really excited about that. So it'll be, it'll work good on mobile. It'll work good on iPads. It'll work good on the desktop. So I, I showed well, you cool. a, a preview of that. What'd you think? Yeah, it looks great. Uh, I mean, I did get a lot of a chance to play around with it, but just first glance, it, it's a, uh, I love the mobile look. So excellent. Good. It's hard work is paying off TJ. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I, I need the affirmation at this stage. In, in the redesign. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I do want to get it rolled out before the end of the year. So that's the boy. It's December 7th. It's coming up on us like soon, very soon, more the sooner yeah. than, than we want. So uh, that's what I've been working on. What have you been working on, man? What have you been doing? Well, I just finished up classes for the semester on Wednesday. And so right now I'm mostly just sleeping, uh, catching up on sleep. I've been missing the past few months. You have um, uh, sleep deprivation problems like I do? I do. Yes. Um, but uh, the past two days in a row, I've taken three, four-hour naps, and it's been great. And Amazing. Uh, the last time I took a nap, yeah. I was probably like eight years old. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, oh, man. I'm, I'm... And, and here in college, naps are my best friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my, but, uh, I didn't actually go to college. I, uh, I went straight into the workforce after high school. My wife went uh-huh. to college and she talks about the naps she used to take. Like, and you know, you got 10 minutes, 10 minute nap. I mean, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> so, you take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand uh, and wish I could take a nap sometimes. I wish I could take a nap right now, but I'm, I can't do that. <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, let's dive in. I we just, uh, hopefully this won't be too long of a, of an episode uh, and I don't want it to be long because I want to get back to work. Um, right. 
but uh, you know, we do have a couple of things that we can talk about before we review the book thief. And one of those, I, I just thought we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Paul Walker uh, passing away this uh, past. Uh, I believe it was just la- this past week, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it's uh, very sad news. Yeah, so you'll find three links in the uh, show notes, actually. Um, one is the announcement that I posted on moviebyte.com. I posted that on Monday. Yeah, so it happened over the weekend. That's what it was. Um, Paul Walker, Fast and Furious, dead at the age of 40. Uh, actor Paul Walker, a self-styled adrenaline junkie best known for his role in Fast and Furious movies, was killed Saturday in a fiery uh, single-car wreck in Southern California. The 40-year-old Walker was riding in a red Porsche GT about 3.30 p.m. when the sports car flew off the road and slammed into a tree in Santa Clarita. Uh, authorities and witnesses said the car burst into flames. And there's, uh, I'm not going to go into it here, but there's a kind of a, almost like a heartbreaking story of them trying to rescue him out of the burning car and stuff. And it, ugh, man, it just, uh, you know, these things happen, and I don't usually get worked up or upset about uh the death of, of somebody, you know, that's maybe somewhat popular, but it's like, well, it's his life and this is the way things go. But A, he was young, very young, 40 years old. That's not very old. Uh, and mm-hmm. B, I had just seen a movie with him in it recently, the the uh, Fast and Furious, uh, was it, what are we on, six? Is that the one I saw in the theater? I, I really I think so. have to confess I don't love the Fast and Furious movies, but uh, I, I still had just seen a movie with him in it recently, and he was actively working on Fast and Furious 7. So very sad, very sad. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies ever, and so, so I don't think I've ever seen Paul Walker in any films. But um, just reading about him and seeing the response to his passing, it's it's just been kind of heartbreaking. So uh, my prayers out to his family and friends. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, they the studio was in a bit of a, like, is it going forward, is it not going forward? So on Tuesday, I posted an article, Fast and Furious 7 will be going ahead. Uh, sources told Hollywood Reporter that production on Fast and Furious 7 would be delayed, with the shoot in Atlanta likely to resume, unlikely to resume until today or tomorrow at the earliest. There were no plans to abandon the film, for which Walker had shot the majority of his scenes. But then on uh, Thursday, we found out that Universal had halted the production, and and you know, it, it's it's kind of one of those rock and hard place things, right? Like, if I was the producer, I'd just be in a complete quandary. Like, how you know, especially if he'd shot most of his scenes already, like, you could finish the movie with him in it, and it would be like his last movie, or kind of almost like a his last, the last stand of his, you know, kind of, kind of like right. when, when James Gandolfini uh, passed away, um, you know, they, they went ahead and released the movie that he had been working on, as you know, and it was a big deal, right? And I, yeah. I felt like maybe they, and, and maybe they still will, I don't know, but so here's here's the official statement. Right now, all of us at Universal are dedicated to providing support to Paul's immediate family and our extended Fast and Furious family of cast and crew and filmmakers. At this time, we feel it is our responsibility to shut down production of Fast and Furious 7 for a period of time so we can assess all the options available to move forward with the franchise. We're committed to keeping Fast and Furious fans informed, and we will provide further information to them when we have it. Until then, we know that they they join us in mourning the passing of our dear friend Paul Walker. I mean, that's very corporate corporate ish. But at the same time, you can read between the lines, like you know that they have to release a corporate statement. But you know, it, you can't find anybody that really had any problems with Paul Walker, which is kind of rare right. for somebody in Hollywood. For sure. So, I mean, I, I I think I read where he was heading home from a charity event that he had been at for. Um, I don't remember exactly the cause, but he he was very active in that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that's one of the things that I read a lot about over the last couple of uh, few days as as this has been unfolding is that his he, he was very active in charity work, and that's that's very commendable. I mean, so 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I only mo- I've only seen one movie with him in it. He seemed like a decent person, seemed like a fine actor. Uh, although I had a little bit of uh, <laughs> right, Fizz was not very kind in the comments, but he did, you know, he'd say that he was sad to hear that he passed. So, uh, but um, yeah, it's just what do you, what do you say about that? I don't know, right? So. So that's uh, awkward awkward to move on from, but we should move on so that we don't belabor it, but just uh, wanted to mention okay. it. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse has been announced for May 27th, 2016. Chad, you know I'm excited about this. Why are you excited? I'm excited because this is the first film that I can think of that has been announced for something other than 2015 lately. Yeah, that, that's definitely definitely a plus <laughs> at this point. I mean, is it not? It's like every single film that has been announced in the last few months has been announced for 2015. Like, I don't know how we're going to see all these films. There's more right. than one a week at this point. Are there are there actually any films coming out in 2016 besides this one? I don't know. I think all, all the studios are putting their money out on films coming out the year before. Let's see <laughs> films in 2016. Uh, there are numerous films set to be released in 2016 while some films have announced release dates, but have yet to begin filming. Let's see. Uh, untitled illuminated entertainment 3d project. So who knows what that is? Uh, Warcraft. Um, I'm just skimming here. X-Men apocalypse. Obviously is now the amazing Spider-Man three, how to train your dragon three, finding Dory, Alice in Wonderland. Angry birds movie. Into, mm. Yes. Angry birds. Um, Anubis. The heck is that? Uh, let's see. Untitled Sony Pictures animated film, Trolls. So actually, though, it, the, the wiki article says uh, numerous films set to be released in 2016. This is a very short list. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a I'm very short page. list. Yeah, so the Anubis link just takes me to info about the uh, the god Anubis, the Greek god. Uh, uh-huh. Weird. Whatever that is. Okay. Uh, so, so by contrast, compare and contrast films in 2015, 2015 in film Wikipedia article. Uh, this is a much, much, much longer list. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Much longer. So we've got, um, I'll just read off a couple of these that we know are coming. Um, I don't know what, oh, Frankenstein. That's that one that, uh. No, that's not the one I was thinking of. James McAvoy, Daniel Radcliffe? Really? Okay. Not yeah, the one I was thinking yeah, he's of. He's playing uh, Igor. Okay. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey. I will not see that. Me neither. Uh, Cinderella. That's the one that Kenneth Branagh's directing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Chappie by Neil Blomkamp. What else? We got Avengers Age of Ultron, obviously. Um, that's the big one that I must see. Jurassic World. The Fantastic Four, uh, Terminator. This is what uh, reboot? I guess. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to be in it. That's interesting. Well, I've seen talk about uh, they're planning on kickstarting a TV series that would sort of uh, reinvigor the franchise. So, uh, untitled. So, so this is Batman versus Superman, Minions, Ant Man, uh, Assassin's Creed. Really. Uh, the Smurfs 3, Hotel Transylvania 2, The Jungle Book, Bond 24, Peanuts, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2, The Good Dinosaur, Alvin and the Chipmunks 4, Star Wars Episode 7, uh, Inferno by Ron Howard, Kung Fu, Kung Fu Panda 3, Mission Impossible 5. So lots of films. Uh, I'm going to put these both in the uh, show notes just so people can uh, see them. So the wiki article on films in 2016 and films in 2015. 
Uh, I know it's, you know, 2016 is further away, but it still seems like we would have had more films announced for that by now. Um, right. We've kind of uh, strayed from the topic of X-Men Apocalypse, though. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I th- you know, things things uh, things are fine when that, that happens. What do you think uh, about X-Men Apocalypse? I mean, they haven't even released uh, Days of Future Past yet. Is well, it, it's, is certainly, it? it's certainly optimistic. But, yeah, it's uh, a little strange, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, um, if... I mean, I still haven't watched the X-Men films. Uh, I'm slapping my wrist for you. For you. I, I, I wish I could reach right through Skype. <laughs> I, again, they're sitting on my on my shelf right in front of me, but um, I just have not found the time to sit down and watch them. But I have time right now, so I might. Yes, please do. Uh, uh, you will not uh, be... Mm-hmm, well, I don't think you will be disappointed. I, I just <laughs> watched... It's been a couple of years since I've seen the X-Men films. And my wife, uh, she had to go out on Black Friday. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, but she there was some things that she had been keeping an eye on. That she saw what the sales were going to be, and she wanted to get them and save us money. Woohoo, I'm all for saving money. Um, and so she she went out and braved the, uh, the, the Black Friday deals. But, you know, Black Friday around here is not nearly... Like, nobody that I know of has ever died because of Black Friday in the Nashville area that I know of. Right. So... Uh, anyway, so she went out and she found like for really cheap all the X-Men films that are currently available on Blu-ray uh, and, and picked them up for me. She texted me and said, here's how much they cost. And I said, yeah, bring those home. So because I only had like uh, two of them on DVD and never got the third one because I hated it so much. So anyway, uh, the first two X-Men films are amazing and they're by Brian Singer uh, and Third one is not amazing, and it's not by Brian Singer. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they they did uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. I believe that was the next one, and it was not great. I didn't hate it as much as some people, um, but it, it just didn't quite have the same flavor. Um, I'm trying to look up. Oh, it was directed by Gavin Hood, uh, who uh, didn't he do? He did Ender's Game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was directed by Gavin Hood again. I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was fine. And I'm going to watch it again shortly. I've, I've finished the first two of the Blu-rays that my wife brought home, and I've got to watch the stinking third one, and then I'll, <laughs> then I'll get to X-Men Origins Wolverine. Now then, um, X-Men uh, – what's the next one? Um, X-Men, first Class. First Class, yes, thank you. X-Men First Class, I really enjoyed that film. It was it was a fine film. Again, I mean it's directed by Matthew Vaughn. Not, not quite up to the level that uh, Brian Singer brought to the franchise, but pretty good. But now I'm really excited for Days of Future Past because Brian Singer is back at the helm and he brought us the best X-Men movies. So right. I'm excited. I'm excited. So I, okay. I don't, so but but even though I'm excited, the the idea of announcing the next X-Men films or X-Men X-Men film even before this one's out in theaters is just a little strange. Like mm, it's going to be like if it does bomb, which I don't think it will, but it'd be like kind of double bad press because then you you're halting the movie. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. In yeah. truth, I don't think they have a whole lot to worry about. Um, at least as far as making money, I think the new X Men film, whether it's excellent or less than excellent, is going to make a lot of money. Um, yeah. Have you seen? Any, we'll see. Uh, let's see. Have you seen any projections for? I don't even know how they get those numbers, but I know they do. X Men. Uh. Days of Future Past projections. Uh, projections, TJ, type correctly. No, I don't see anything. When is that release? It's probably too early. Um, when is that? March, I think. Days of Future Past release date. I think you're right. 
May 23rd. May. Yeah, so several months out. So it's probably too early for them to be making projections about how much it's going to make. Spend Days of Future Past. Trailer. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think we saw a trailer for that. Yeah. All right. Well, I will uh, put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, so I'm excited. I I think it's going to be good. Yeah. You know, you didn't even see uh, the new Wolverine movie in theaters, did you? I did. We talked about it on the podcast. Oh, that's right. I'm so. <laughs> told you I'm a little loopy today. I remember now. Yeah, the the Wolverine movies are the two X Men movies I have seen. Okay, well that's weird though. Now now you've got all out of sequence. Eh. Uh, all right. <laughs> the, the the ways of Chad Hopkins are strange to me. Uh, they're strange to a lot of people. I mean, how can how can you do that? How um, how do you see him out of order like that? Well, I wouldn't have seen the X Men or the Wolverine movies if um, we hadn't talked about the second one on the podcast. So, okay, all right. <laughs> well, anyway, I forgot why I was asking you that. We should uh, we should move on and talk about the book thief. Let's do it. Okay, uh, Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about this movie? Since I seem to be so loopy today. Okay, it opened uh, to limited release November eighth, and the budget we do not know, but it made 105,000 its opening weekend so not a very large opening by but, any standard but like it was like in two theaters or something right yeah but uh the total gross worldwide so far is 9.3 million um the critical acclaim on rotten tomatoes is a bit too safe in its handling of its nazi germany setting the book thief counters its constraints with a respectful tone and strong performances it was directed by brian percival uh the writer of the original novel that it's based on is Marcus Zusak, and the adaptation screenplay uh, was by Michael Petroni. It stars Sophie Nalise um, as Liesel Memminger, uh, Jeffrey Rush as her adopted adoptive father, Hans. Uh, we, Of course, we know Jeffrey Rush as Captain Barbosa from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Um, from The King's Speech, he was uh, the Pelican Nigel in Finding Nemo. And I don't know this last one that you mentioned, um, Mystery Men, Casanova Frankenstein. Yeah, I've seen Mystery Men. I, I I don't remember much about it. It's a pretty goofy movie, but apparently he was in yeah. it, and I don't remember it, so I thought it was notable. And then uh, Emily Watson as her adoptive mother, uh, Rosa, and she has been in Anna Karenina and Equilibrium, and she was also in War Horse, directed by Steven Spielberg. Okay. Uh, the music, music by is- your favorite composer. Yes, and it is excellent music, I should say, but I'll talk about that more later. And uh, do you want to read the story or do you want me to read that as well? Uh, so I can read it. While okay. subjected to the horrors of World War II Germany, young Liesel finds solace by stealing books and sharing them with others. Under the stairs in her home, a Jewish refugee is being sheltered by her adoptive parents. So short, but uh, fairly, uh, fairly accurate, I thought. Yeah, it's a good summation, just general outline of the film. And before we move on, I just have to say, the director, Brian Percival, every stinking time that name is mentioned, the only thing I can think of is Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. <laughs> I can't <laughs> confess to the same problem, but I might now. <laughs> uh, anybody who's read the Harry Potter books uh, will relate to that, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Um, you've, you've probably cursed me. That's all I'm going to be able to think about now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, um, 
Yeah, so what what are what do we generally think of this movie before we dive in into our really our likes and our dislikes? Why don't why don't you tell me uh, what what you kind of thought of this movie? Well, um, I took it upon myself to actually read the book uh, for this one as well. Uh, I've been doing that with most most of the book to film adaptations this year, um, and so I finished the book, and then the same day I went and saw the film, and so everything was really fresh on my mind, and um, you know, on the whole, I thought it was a really good adaptation. I really enjoyed the film. Um, I don't have a lot of problems with it. Um, I think he did a pretty good job. Everybody did a pretty good job. So, so what's with this, uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating, do you think? I mean, cause the, the, man, the critics are really hard on this film, 48%. And, and you look through the reviews and a lot of them are saying, nah, it's no good. Nah. You know, and you, you hear stuff thrown out like dull and you hear stuff thrown out like, uh, you know, dull and bland and, and didn't capture the spirit of the book and not hard hitting enough. And what's up with this? What is this? I don't know. I mean, I see, I, I agree with the consensus, the critical acclaim consensus that I read earlier from Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't agree with the score. Um, I do think that it was a little bit too safe. Um, and I do think it watered down the book quite a bit. I mean, that's, that's a given. I'm not going to complain too much about that, but, um, I just don't see why they felt the need to be so harsh on this. I, I haven't looked at any reviews personally, just the the number, but uh, I, I can't imagine ever ranking it that low. Yeah, it seems a little odd. I mean, that's below 50%, and that's, of course, the general consensus, you know, tallied from everybody's rating. So, there, I mean, there's obviously people who liked it, um, but it's just a little bit odd to me. Uh, and, and, and this is a useful thing, too. Like, as much as I like to be familiar with the book before I go see the adaptation in the theater. So that's why I made it a point to read Ender's Game before it came out. Um, as much as I'd like to be familiar with the book before I see the adaptation, I think it is a useful perspective that I'm coming from, which is I know nothing of the book. It's literally nothing. And I went and saw the movie and I really loved it. And I think that sometimes I'm perhaps with a book that apparently so many people have read and, and liked, um, I think perhaps they, they they lose perspective and it's like oh it didn't match up with my expectations therefore bad. I I, I oh, wonder if no. that's kind of what's going on here. Maybe a little bit. I know personally I learned a long time ago as a child with the Harry Potter films uh, that I can't go into a, a film adaptation of a book that I enjoy and expect the same the same level. Um, you just have to accept each as its own art form and take it. As it is. And so I, I always go into, uh, even if I've read the book, I go into the film thinking, you know, this is something different. This is a chance for the director, for the cast to do something uh, that's their own with it, to make it their own and uh, just enjoy it that way. You don't have to compare it to the book that extensively. Okay, this is so weird. This this is where our age difference comes into play. You say back when I was a child when the Harry Potter series came out. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Let's I mean, see. The Harry Potter series came to film when I was about twenty one. <laughs> the first movie. So it's I, just weird. I would have been nine years old when the first film came out. I'm I'm just guessing. I I'm, I'm trying to say when did the first film come out? Was that two thousand one? Yeah. So okay, I was born in eighty two. So I would have been like twenty. Uh, right. Nineteen. Nineteen. 19. So um. Yeah, it's just a little weird to think about, you know, that, 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 that's just weird. Anyway, sorry, uh, sidetrack. Yeah, so, so this, this whole rating thing, it's just, it's just odd to me. Um, yeah. and, and, and if, if you, if you want to use terms like dull about this film, I need to have words with you. <laughs> this film is not dull. And, and I, again, I'm coming from that perspective of having not 
read the book and just judging the film on its own merits and it is not dull um no it's it's, it's very intimate yeah it, well that those are those that, are those are not the same thing that's true it is very intimate and it, it's very um i i tend not to like it's funny i was an independent filmmaker i tend not to like indie films uh-huh. but but i can see like like this has qualities of an indie film but in a good way i think yeah definitely and it kind of almost is an indie film really Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story, the story is very anecdotal. So I wonder if that might contribute to some people's distaste for it. It's, it's got an overarching story to it, but it's not told in a linear story kind of way. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, it it's does, told linearly, so I don't know what you're referring to exactly. Well, I just mean that like in this two, three year period, however long it, it is, yeah, I think it's you like get, years. you get this scene, you get this scene X number, X amount of time later. Um, and so it's not like, yeah. does that make sense? I guess that, that's all I, I, mean. I felt like there was a clear break though. And I, I hate it when movies don't have clear breaks, but I felt like it was very clear when time advanced and, and it didn't, yeah, I like mean, it, it didn't bother me. It wasn't like jumping around. It was like, there was like two, ta- two times in the film, three, there were three times in the film when the, the, the story advanced a year or whatever it was. There was a clear break point of, of time. And so right. I was very happy with that. Um, obviously I think uh, the big obvious thing here is that sophie uh Nilis, is that how you say that that's my best guess yeah it's weird it's got like an accent over the e anyway Nilis is what i'm gonna say sophie Nilis. she was amazing i mean you know there are child actresses that delight you and things uh, she not only delighted me but she was really good at playing that role oh she was great amazing a- absolutely amazing and and i think i i'm gonna double check i think i looked this up i believe she's canadian so that yeah, that French accent canadian. was that was that accent was completely put on yes so <laughs> i mean <laughs> that, that german accent that's not her default tongue <laughs> no so, not and, at all and it, i there was not a uh, there was not one point at which i thought oh that's an accent that she's affecting there right <laughs> it was very genuine yeah um, yeah and I think all of the main characters here are uh, well did a great job. Jeffrey Rush, of course, uh, plays Papa uh, Hans Huberman wonderfully. I mean, he, he, I love Jeffrey Rush and everything I see him in, really. Um, and Emily Watson plays the mama character. Great. I mean, and Max Ben Schnetzer, Schnetzer as Max is great too. I mean, there's so much that can be said about all all of the main cast here, and even the supporting cast. I thought did a great job. Yeah, I mean, obviously, your three main uh, actors. Well, I guess there's four if you count the boy. Uh, what was his name? Um, Max Ru- Rudy or Rudy? Rudy, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I feel like Max is almost a bit of a side character. He's not in the film that much. It's really about you know uh, Liesel, Mama and Papa, and Rudy is what is who the, I felt like the primary characters were in this film. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed the the interaction and the growth of the characters the, the whole the whole business with rosa and hans reminds me a lot of uh, marilla and matthew cuthbert from anna green gables yes i'm one of the guys that has actually read this um and <laughs> and enjoyed it uh, so so shoot me <laughs> have, have you read anna green gables be honest i have not uh okay you're missing out you really are i know it's like a uh, yeah anyway it, it Trust me, it's not on the level of, oh, you've read Twilight? Oh, you're such a... Uh, right. You know, what kind of a guy does that? It's not on that level at all. I don't think it is. Anyway, I, I did enjoy Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea, and uh, what's the next one? Um, I enjoyed the series. 
Anyway, it, it reminds me a lot of the relationship between, uh, e- even though it's different because this is a husband and wife where Matthew Cuthbert and Marilla Cuthbert were uh, brother and sister, but it does remind me of that where Matthew loved Anne right from the start. I mean, and and, and, and you can see that with, with Hans here too. Like he, he loves Liesel right from the start and they just get along swimmingly and he's so charming and that's kind of the way it was with Anne and Matthew Cuthbert. Marilla, on the other hand, had a lot of growing to do. And over the course of the series, she learned to love Anne. And you get that same thing with Rosa, where she's very coarse and very, you know, snotty and 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 very, uh, you know, snaps at her husband and snaps at, you know, and you learn it to, to some extent. That's just the way she is. And, you know, she doesn't mean a lot by it. But but with with Liesl, it almost it's almost like she does mean something by it, at least at first. And right. and as she grows and, and through the movie and she grows to love Liesl. I mean, that's just I, I just love those t- sorts of stories. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so anyway, there's, there's I, I found there to be lots of parallels in that way with Anne of Green Gables, just in that at least in that aspect. Um, let's see. We already talked about the critics. Um, so, the, the, of course, the other big elephant in the room here is every time I watch a World War II film, and this is no exception, it's it's just amazing. I, I cringe every time at how humans treated other humans during the world, the, the, how the Nazis treated the Jews. I mean, and how they treated yeah. anybody who wasn't of the right race, you know, of the yeah. bad blood. You it's know. sickening. It's it's off. It's horrible. And it's I, for I suppose for me <clears throat> on, on a personal note, it's just it comes at this time where I was dealing with a bunch of racism recently, uh, I, and I don't know why I got involved in this discussion. Um, there's something out there called kinism that all you need to know is they're a bunch of racist and they're they're evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I had been involved in this discussion and washed my hands of it and walked away. And then I watched this. You know, a couple of days later, I watched this World War II film, and. Uh, Boy, it's just it just always amazes me and and it makes me cringe. Just how how do humans treat other humans that way? I don't understand. I don't get it. And yet at the same time, mm. I think the story is very poignant in that it, it shows you kind of what it was like uh to be a, a just a regular German person, you know, a little girl and these two the, the, this couple that's adopted her. They don't I mean, they're not they're just living their lives and they're in the midst of it. They're right in the middle of it and they couldn't help that. And I think yeah. that's a really great perspective to to learn from and, and to see into kind of that window into what's what was going on there. And I like it because, you know, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat. It. I forget who said that, but those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And so we need to keep remembering this part of our history that let's not ever repeat that again. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those are kind of all my basic opening general thoughts. Same here. I mean, I don't have much more to say as far as that goes. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I kind of talked about this, um, but it just just kind of to uh, to mention some things I didn't think about when I was blathering on about it. Um, the whole window into the regular person in Germany, um, you know, I love the part where Liesel, you know, she's talking to Max and she doesn't understand all that's going on. And, and so she, you know, she's talking to Max. Germany was doing and and how they were winning the war at that time. And uh, he's like, the world's gone mad. And, 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 and she's like, well, what's wrong? Isn't that good news? Aren't we winning? And and she's saying this to the Jewish boy who's hiding in her basement. She just didn't understand. And, you know, I think this is a, uh, an interesting picture to paint. I don't know. how, How did that compare to the book? Um, 
in in the respect of her sort of being clueless to it all to, to, to at least in that way yes um i don't remember it touching on that um i might have missed it but it expanded a lot on other ideas that weren't necessarily present in the film yeah yeah i mean and then there's this whole aspect of discovery too you're, you're kind of walking through this with liesel where she discovers as as she goes like she's you know you see her singing in the hitler youth choir and she's doing the heil hitler thing and and uh you know very german and and then but she starts to kind of she this discovery of wow maybe hitler's not such a great guy you know and and who knows right. how many how many germans actually thought that at the time although obviously you talk to any germans now although they're starting to get pretty few and far between but any germans who were alive during that period of time now pretty much universally admit wow what were we thinking right um, you know so and and speaking of that choir scene it was very powerful the way they used it in the film where it it starts off innocently enough and you're just watching these children sing the national anthem or whatever they're singing and then all of a sudden it cuts to uh raids on jewish homes while they're still singing and you've got so you've got this juxtaposition of these sweet children uh singing the song that they're required to sing and all these awful things that that song implies it's really a powerful moment in the film. Yeah, and and was that there? Maybe it was another song they were singing because the national anthem is that more or less harmless at this, or does it have words in it that I'm trying to? Look. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there was the, one the song it, it, they were singing. It did say something about not making packs with Jews or right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, trying to yeah. remember if that was a different song or if that was the national it, anthem. It, it, it probably was. I just said uh, whatever they were singing. I I don't know exactly what it was. Yeah, I'm not familiar enough with German culture. <laughs> Neither. Um, yeah, so all that stuff was was just so great. There's just not a lot to to dislike about this film, in my opinion. So no, meaning I don't I don't think so either. I mean, even having read the book and seeing how they watered down some things and how they left certain things out, I, I think that the film stands well on its own, as any film should. Um, it, it made itself its own entity. Yeah. Yeah, let's see what else we have here. Um, obviously, Jeffrey Rush and and uh, and Emily Watson are awesome too. I just you know I mentioned Liesel, uh Sophie, Sophie, right? Sophie Nielsen, yeah, Nilly, Sophie uh, Obviously, without these three good performances, in either of these three performances could have ruined the film, and they were all outstanding. I've I've only seen Emily Watson in a handful of things. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, same really, here. Really I'm not only very two. familiar with her. Yeah, really only two things. What was she in? Uh, one of them was Equilibrium. What was the other thing? Um, oh, I haven't seen Anna Karenina, so I've only seen her in one thing. Have you not seen her in War Horse? Did you see War Horse? I did Horse? not see War Horse, no. Oh, well, you need to see War Horse. All right. Well, once you see a few films that I've told you to go see, uh, then, then you can tell me to go see. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So uh, I already t- touched on that. Um, although you put a couple of notes in here. Um, and this is in response, I think, to the uh, many of the critics seem to think the film wasn't hard hitting enough. I would argue that instead, the 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 book soft approach, and I did mean film. Yes, that's the note you're making. The film soft approach. Um, okay, so this is this is what I'm trying to say. The the critics seem to be panning this film for not being hard hitting enough, and comparing it to the book and saying the book was very hard hitting, and the book the film is instead a little bit of a soft approach. And I would argue that. The, the film didn't really hide any of the horrors, but yeah, maybe it was a little soft, but that really makes, the, you know, the ending, the climax of the film very poignant and very hard. Like, that really smacks you in the head, I thought, because, you know, you've got this film that 
yes, you're seeing the horrors that are going on, but then you go and you you kind of get charmed by uh, Sophie Nilise. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere almost, comes this air raid that I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens. Let's just say you, you'll want to have a box of tissues on hand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I found that extremely hard hitting. Uh, like that was that was uh, yeah, that was probably the most I've cried in the theater this year. Yeah, probably. So um, I, I don't quite get what they're saying that that the book is that the film is too soft. Well, for example, there are a few scenes in the book, and they did include one of these instances in the film where you have Jews being marched through the city to to a concentration camp. They, yeah. they don't mention that in the film, I don't think, but. Um, uh, it happens multiple times, and that's it. Uh, Hans Huberman, Jeffrey Rush's character, interferes with that. Um, he he helps somebody who's fallen down or somebody and gives him some bread. And that was and a that's great what, scene. It was, and it um, they did it well in the film, but they do do it differently in the film. Uh, where in the film he's standing up for somebody in the town who's just been revealed to be Jewish. Oh right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in the book he's helping one of these Jews who's being marched through the city to a concentration camp. Ah. And so it's a little bit more intense in that respect because, I mean, you really see this hands-on and you have people collapsing um, as they're being marched through the city because they've already been marching several miles. And um, Papa gets whipped in the street in that instance. And at one point, Liesel gets whipped in the street for the same sort of thing. Um, and so in, in those respects, it, it doesn't include as many of those sobering moments. Um, it, it does have its fair share of them, but it doesn't include stuff like that from the book where you know that these Jews are being marched to their death. And um, they didn't make that entirely clear in the film. I, it was implied for sure, but I, I don't know if everybody could have gotten that. I certainly got it. And I think anybody who doesn't get that like like what 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 were you thinking they were they were going to knowing what was going on in World War II that as we do and if you and this is the other thing that really disturbs me though there there literally are literally are people who don't know what the Holocaust when we talk about the Holocaust they don't know what what we're talking about and that does disturb me I, I will be honest right. with you like what are where what is wrong with your education and why did you not learn about these horrors that we need not to repeat right. <laughs> anyway, but for the most part, I would say that you know what's going on because that's what was going on in in World War II Germany is they were marching non they're marching Jewish people to the concentration camps and death. That's what they were doing. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, and and I understand that the book obviously makes. I mean, that does sound much more intense. Uh, at the same time, I love the scene in the film where you know. Hans is simply trying to help one of the friends that he's known for uh, all of his life who's accused of of having dirty blood or whatever it is you know he's part Jewish of not not right. of pure descent and you know he's they take down his name and he you know he's pretty much you know I think that's it's implied that that's the reason he got shipped off to war yes so anyway I, I thought it was fine uh, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from now hearing that that that, that certainly is a harder hitting thing in the book, I suppose. But I would argue that in the film, like going that far would have, maybe the ending wouldn't have been, the climax would not have been as impactful. Perhaps. I, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. And I, I definitely 
agree that it gives the end of the film a little bit more of a, an emotional punch. Um, but I do, I do see where the critics are coming from a little bit too. I, I don't agree to that extent, but, uh, um, there were just certain scenes like that in the, in the book that I wish had made to the film. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, in the film, Rudy's father gets sent off to war and that happens in the book as well. But the way it comes about in the book, um, the Nazis come to recruit Rudy for this elite program and his parents say no. And so that, uh, his father's punishment for saying no is being sent off to war. Mm. And so him and uh, Hans Huberman actually gets shipped off to war around the same time. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it substantially changes the story though, but that's it, it definitely doesn't. an interesting change. Um, yeah. I mean, I have one final uh, thought and then uh, certainly would want to hear any more thoughts that you have. Um, my, my final thought is this. I, I, I really like how this film doesn't really spell things out for you. It doesn't it doesn't. What I mean by that is it doesn't tell you this is exactly how Hans and, and Rosa felt about uh, what Germany was doing. And this is the, exactly their political leanings. No, it kind of lets you discover that. And, and you know, maybe they're even. Like so many people today that you talk to, they, I, I, I mean, I, I work with a guy who I, I like him a lot, but he, you know, when it comes to political things, he says, I don't have an opinion. And, and that's just like, oh, come on, how can you not have an opinion? But yet there's a lot right. of people like that. And, and maybe they even didn't have an opinion until it became very personal and they had to do something about, uh, this specific situation that all it necessitated was that they'd be decent human beings in, in a, in a Germany where people were not being decent human beings. You know, and, and right. I think that was such a great way to tell a story. And again, I don't know how this compares to the book, but you just don't get a a sense of this is, you know, they were opposed to the Nazi party and they were trying to keep it quiet. No, it's just very much they're living their life. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're thrust into the situation. And this this is what comes out of it. No, that's definitely present in the book. And uh, I mean, I, I spent this whole time talking about how you shouldn't compare books to films, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm bringing it up just as a point of comparison. Um, it is even more personal in the book because um, their son is a member of the Nazi party uh. and ends up uh, leaving them uh, and becomes estranged and goes off to fight. Um, and so it does hit Pers- uh, closer to home even and so th- they stick to their guns and say no we're we're doing the right thing as human beings this is wrong what hitler's doing and um so y- y- it's interesting to see how it gets even more personal when you take that into respect so you're saying uh by, by their son you're saying uh hans and rosa had a son that's not mentioned yes. at all here in the movie right they they have a son and a daughter and the daughter's fine in the book but the the son um is a member of the nazi party from the get go and um, criticizes his, uh, his dad for not being a member of it mm. and they get into a fight and then he leaves. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So quite a bit different in the book. Maybe the, then the book is really spelling out for you and it, it completely opposed to what I was just saying. It's really spelling out for you, the political positions. Uh, to, uh, to more of an extent. Yes. Yeah. Whereas the movie is really just leaving it to you to discover, which I really liked. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. All right. What what else have you got? And then we can dive into some dislikes. 
Okay, I'll mention this one like, and then I'll let you go into your dislikes. Um, John Williams' score is awesome. I don't know if you paid a lot of attention to it, but I've actually had the score for a few weeks and um, been listening to it on and off since then as I've been reading the book. And um, it's some of his most beautiful and intimate work. Yeah, it, it works great in the context of the film. It expresses a lot of the emotion, which is already expressed by uh, the actors on screen. So it, it's, it's an enhancement rather than uh, John Williams force feeding you an emotion. Yeah, and this is new for John Williams, I, I think. Uh, he, I, he is always so – I always – when I think of John Williams, I think of bombastic, over-the-top, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, the, the – the, the, Imperial uh, March. Imperial March, yes, and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. And, and or, or the Harry Potter films that he scored were not understated in any way. Just in, in everything that he's done until recently, nothing he's ever done has been understated that I can think of. I know – I think you mentioned something. Uh, uh, Lincoln and War Horse. Well, no, no, like- I'm talking about his earlier work, like up until Lincoln. Oh. It seemed like you mentioned something to me when I brought this up before that there was. Some- I really enjoy his Harry Potter scores. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think exactly what you're talking about, what you're referring to. Well, I, I, I don't remember. There was something. He's well. Yeah, have you listened to this? It's a little more understated, but for the most part, he's been very bombastic throughout his career, and just these big, <laughs> big, big, big scores, and, and 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 in some cases, rightly so. Um. I, I would take a little bit of issue with you on the Harry Potter score. I like his Harry Potter theme, but I feel like his score tends to be overly bombastic overall. And mm. I, I think that later con- composers uh, such as uh, Chris, uh, Nicholas Hooper and uh, uh, Display, um, Alexander Display, came in and, and really, while building on his work, did better scores, I think. Anyway, beside the point, it's interesting that in Lincoln and uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Uh Warhorse. Warhorse. I haven't heard that one. But in Lincoln and in um, uh, this film, uh, why is the word fleeing me? Um, the Book Thief. The, I would say that both of those tend to feel understated, which is a complete 180 for John Williams, in my opinion. And I've enjoyed them both a lot. Um, you know, I had I had issues with the Lincoln film, but I enjoyed the score a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think he did. Uh, <laughs> okay. What what are you, a teenage girl? <laughs> you, you you put a you put a uh, uh, the heart emoticon uh, oh. next to John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> eh. John Williams calls for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll let you have it. But ew, I don't think I've ever made that emoticon in my entire life. <laughs> I'm, I'm referring to for, because this is theater of the mind. I'm referring to the, um, uh, I always get greater than and less than mixed up and I have to think about it in my head. The less than symbol and a three. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, uh, sarcastically funny. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> that's my, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Okay, fine, fine. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. Moving on. Um, <laughs> okay. what, what uh, do you have anything else? No, go ahead. Okay. I, okay, this may, I, don't, I guess this is spoiler, not a spoiler. I did not, I really did not like death as the narrator. Like having death be a character narrating a film, that was very, very, very weird. And I get that it was part of the book. I figured it was part of the book when they had him do it, but it just, this should have been, and I, and I replayed every scene in my head too that he narrated, which that's the other issue is he didn't like narrate, like he narrated like three times in the movie, once at the beginning, once before the middle, and then once at the end, as, as that's the best I can remember. 
and I replayed each of those scenes in my head going, yep, that would have played better without. Mm-hmm, that wouldn't have played better without. Yeah, we totally would have got exactly what was going on. Would have played better without. Uh, I just, I think that it would have been much better without him narrating it, and it would have been less weird. The story would have been more impactful. I, I just, I did not like it in any way. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. And while I liked Death as the narrator, I've read the book. And so one of my concerns for the film was I worry that some things weren't explained well enough for non-readers to understand. Um, for me, it makes, and this is mostly talking about the book, it makes perfect sense to have Death narrate a film during uh, World War II. I mean, th- more people were dying during that time period I mean, it's just intense. Okay, if you look at it like that, yes, but the idea of death as a a, a person narrating, that's very goofy, weird. And and for, for a movie that in every other respect is very serious and very impactful and very emotional, that's just a really strange thing to do. Eh. I, I think if he had been more present throughout the film, it would have been less awkward. Um, I, I didn't... Perhaps. I mean, I... I see where you're coming from a little bit, but again, I think it's like maybe to, just because I've read the book. You like to say that. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, but I, I, mean, don't, I, I don't agree. I, I don't come. I don't agree, but I, I can understand why you would think that. Um, it, it just, it makes perfect sense to me. It doesn't seem awkward. It doesn't seem silly. Um, I don't know. I, I really liked his voice. Um, mm. For me, there was something really, profound or compelling about death being a pleasing voice to listen to. Okay. Um, I, but that's, yeah. And, and that's really my only dislike of the film, but it does for me take it down quite a bit from what could have been a higher rating. So, yeah, I, I, I just wish that in fact, like I wish, I hope they release some, some version of the film on, on Blu-ray or something that has death as the narrator completely excised. <laughs> that won't happen. Yeah, but. I would. I, I. I can wish for it. You know, <laughs> I, I can hope for it. Right? There, I hold out hope. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I've already alluded to this. It, it's it's watered down, um, both as a book adaptation and as a film that takes place in Nazi Germany. Um, like I said, I agree with the critics' consensus, um, where the the strong performances and the respectful tone of the film uh, really do make it pretty great um i just don't think i think they ranked it or scored it too low but there were lots of really compelling scenes or aspects of the book that i think could have added to the film um i won't talk about those uh on the show just because there's a lot and it's a film it's its own thing but i do think it could have benefited a little bit from just adding one or two other scenes much like we talked about in ender's game yeah um, where if if we had a little bit more of this, maybe a little bit less of that. Um, it, it would have worked better on the whole. Um, but other than that, and, and, and oh, and like I said, I think that some things like death as the narrator uh, just didn't make sense to non-readers as much as uh, they would to somebody who had read the book and walked in with that mindset. I'll tell you how 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 weird it felt is I was really I, I was like pulling out my ticket, making sure I had gotten in the right theater because I'm like. What is this? What am I watching? This is weird. <laughs> this is before you knew, before you had seen uh, Sophie and Elise. And I'm, I'm, I'm like literally going, I, I have walked into the wrong theater. I, I was supposed to be in theater six and I'm in theater seven or something like that. And, uh, you know, I've literally walked in the wrong door. I am not watching the movie I, I paid for. <laughs> that's what I thought. And that, that's how weird it was. 
Mm. And, and and again, this is coming from somebody who hasn't read the book. And, and right. you know, kind of like you're saying with Ender's Game, I wish somehow I could have watched the movie without the book as a backdrop. I'd like to think that I, my opinion would have been the same. The film was just very rushed and didn't focus on things it needed to focus on. Because I, li- I like to think that I evaluate stories in the same way no matter what. Right. But who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I am coming at this from the perspective of, you know what? I haven't read the book. I would like to read the book, and maybe I'll get to that. Um, it's one of the one of the uh, sadnesses of my adult life, Chad, is that I don't get to read yeah. like I used to. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I mean, we're just – I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I was going to say something else. I don't remember. Um, oh, just one more thing on death as a narrator. The whole book is told from his perspective. It's him looking at this – uh, strange human's life. Um, he remembers Liesel, uh being present during this time and the impact she had on the people around her. And so um, the, the book that she writes, she writes a book called The Book Thief um, about her life and her time spent with Hans and Rosa and with Max and with Rudy. Um, and uh, he picks it up and he carries it with him as a uh, a reminder of this girl and of this person. And so he's going back and telling her story from mm. her story. Um, and that's how it works in the book. Um, and you just don't get that in the film. And I get that. I understand that. Yeah. And so I understand why it wouldn't make as much sense or why you wouldn't like it. Yeah. Well, I certainly didn't like it. <laughs> well, now the solution is to read the book. Yeah, and I, I do intend to or listen to the audiobook. Yeah, I probably will listen to the audiobook. I'm sure it's out there, so um, that's probably the way I will do it. All right, well, uh, I think we've come to that point in the uh, show where we uh, release our long-awaited star ratings. Oh yes. So what do you what do you do? What do you give it? I give it four out of five stars because it's a really good movie. What what uh, what brought it down from five? I, I kind of like when a, when a film for me at least when it hits four stars but not five, you got to okay. What what was it that brought it down that, that kept it from being a four and a half or a five star film? Um, the watered down mostly. Um, I I think that it could have been a little bit more hard hitting in certain aspects. Um, just to really drive home the setting, um, both the time and the place. Um, and they did do a good job of that, but I do think it. it it's the inevitable comparison to the book. I, I try to leave that out as much as I can, but it does taint my opinion just a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed the film as a whole. It does stand really well on its own. I think um, you don't have to read the book to enjoy it. And that's where the four comes from. Okay. I also rate it four out of five stars, not having not read the book. Uh, and, and really I just have the one complaint. Like I would have rated this film five stars literally if it hadn't been for death as the narrator. That's how much I did not enjoy that. So, wow. yeah, I mean, so it could have been a five star film for me. Uh, having not read the book, don't know how that would have impacted my star rating at least four and a half. But it just, you know, that that silly narrator just ugh, can't stand it. But still, that's a far better rating than the critics are giving it on Rotten Tomatoes at 48 percent. That's just insane to me. IMDb, yeah. it's, it's about average. I mean, most films seem to be 7.3 on IMDb, and that's where they're at. 7.3 out of 10. Well, I think the real telling thing here is that on Rotten Tomatoes, you've got critics at 48%, but you've got general audience at 80%. And that happens once in a while. It's very strange, but it does happen. I and think- I, I think that's really telling for this kind of film. Uh, though, a lot of those viewers, I'm guessing, are the readers of the book um, who walked away satisfied. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly heard people say it was a good film, although it could have been better, which is probably why the uh, audience rating isn't higher. Having read the book and going, yeah, it was good, could have been better. So that's yeah. probably where they're at. And that's, I mean, that's, that sounds like that's where you're at. And and certainly, even not having read the book, that's kind of where I'm at. It was good, could have been better. Um, does not deserve a 48%. I mean, I think critics no. sometimes get so, uh, I don't know, jaded against the films, and, and especially films that they want for them to be really good. Like, this is the type of film you want to be really good. Um, right. and, and I think maybe they, they get overly harsh and, and cynical. So I hope I don't ever get that way as a film critic. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so bottom line for me is get yourself to the theater. If it's playing in your area, it's still, I think technically limited release, but it's finally getting around, get yourself to the theater and see this and certainly bring tissues with you. You will cry. I don't care if you don't cry. You're a horrible human being. Let me put it that way. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, next week we're going to talk about uh, Frozen, just because <laughs> I don't know what else we would talk about. It's uh, and and I, I don't have the brain space right now to try to think of a film that we could view from home, and that's in, in theaters, so it's easy pick. Um, there's not, I mean, it's, we're kind of in that lull, uh, kind of almost just a one week lull uh, before we before the Hobbit comes out, and that'll be fun. And uh, I'm assembling a panel to talk about the Hobbit now. I have talked to uh, Clark Douglas. He was on the show to talk about The Hobbit the last time we talked about The Hobbit, the first Hobbit film. And uh, I know that he will be back. Um, I talked to Joe. He didn't think he was going to be able to do it. So it's probably me, you, and Clark. And I'm, I know Fizz mentioned he was interested. We'll see if he comes on or not. Don't know for sure. But that's in two weeks. Next week is Frozen. Uh, so I don't expect to enjoy this film. But who knows? It might, maybe it'll just be fun. Uh, you know, not one of those like really seriously impactful films. But we'll see. Well, hopefully it will be. It's it's gotten good ratings, and I've heard people say that it's not just silly Disney fun. It's 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 a really good film. So okay, we'll see. All right, Chad. Well, if people want to keep up with you online, uh, there are places they can do that, aren't there? There are. Uh, there is my own movie review site, ChadLikesMovies dot um, which hopefully I'll be catching up on some reviews again uh, in this next week because uh, I'm done with classes. Um, and so there's that. There's me on Facebook, which is at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And then on Twitter, twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. T-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. <laughs> um, all right. And, that uh, never gets old, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> and I am also on Twitter. Uh, find me at twitter.com slash Pro. Uh, obviously, I am on face, uh, MovieByte at moviebyte.com. Uh, and, uh, if you want to find uh, show notes for this episode, they are at moviebyte.com slash MB podcast slash 71. It's where the show notes are at, where you can, uh, subscribe, uh, to the, uh, to the RSS feed and in your podcatcher. If you'd like to do that, if you haven't done that, if you're just catching this via the iTunes store or something like that, uh, be sure to check that out. We also, of course, have comments on each and every episode. If you want to interact with us, I get an email every time somebody comments. And so that's a great way to interact with us and carry on the conversation. We, we would love for you to do that. Uh, That's pretty much all we've got for this week, so we will talk to you next week. We're out of here. See you, Chad. Bye.